I'm thankful that we hold in our hands the Word of God, aren't you? I was uh, had a discussion with a fellow earlier this week, and um, he made a statement. He said, I've been studying a lot lately, and he said, I've found several places where our King James Bible was translated incorrectly. And I put a stop to him right there. I said, well, wait a minute. And I said, we got a problem then. I said, if we cannot have faith that our Bible is accurate, then we can have no faith that our doctrine is accurate. Because we don't get our doctrine by what our denomination teaches or what a man teaches. We get our doctrine from our Bible. And if our Bible is unsure, then our doctrine is unsure. And I'm thankful that we hold in our hands what we know to be the inspired and preserved inerrant Word of God. And um, I hope that we always make a deal, a big deal about this. Uh, it is worth standing for. It is worth fighting for, and uh, and making sure that we give a strong defense of it. Um, we're living in the days, and in the last several months of my life, I have been heartbroken to see a number of ministries and and men that I have over the years respected and looked up to for their strength and their steadfastness in uh, in doctrine. And I have watched as they have deteriorated in their stands. And the first thing seemingly to go seems to be their, their uh, insistence upon the King James Scripture being inerrant. They try to correct it. They try to change it. They read men that have letters behind their names that are so-called scholars and how they refute uh, these Scriptures as being accurate. And for whatever reason, we assume that they are more knowledgeable than the Holy Spirit that bears witness of this truth inside of our hearts. And um, very important that we understand these things. I'm thankful we hold in our hands the Bible. Let's look in Proverbs chapter number 17, if you will. <clears throat> Much of Proverbs is, a, um, is a, a collection, if you will, of one or two or three verse Sermons. Very little of it is interconnected uh, by way of a, a common theme, uh, although all of it is interconnected by biblical truth. And uh, I was listening to uh, Brother Scott Pauley. I enjoy listening to his preaching oftentimes, and uh, was listening to a message, and he had taught on uh, the subject that I want to share with you this afternoon, there's some of the things that he shared that were a great blessing and a help to me. And I'm going to reiterate those things and then add some things that I think are also helpful to us in the matter of the subject. Um, and uh, we're going to look at a phrase that is used three times in Scripture. And uh, we're going to begin here in verse number 27, Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 27, Lord willing, will be conscious of the time today. I know many of you have other plans this afternoon, and we'll try to be conscious of that as well. <clears throat> Proverbs says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words. Boy, that's a great truth, isn't it? Uh, just because we know everything doesn't mean we have to say all the time everything we know. Um, in fact, if you'll look at verse 28, I love this. Uh, it says, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And, you know, we've all heard that saying years ago that it's better to remain silent and let folks think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And um, there are times, just because we have knowledge, doesn't mean we have to be a person of many words. 
But I want you to notice what he says here. Even, uh, he says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. And I want, to, I want to take a few moments this afternoon to look at this phrase, an excellent spirit. What is meant by that? And we're going to take a few moments to take a look at it. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into it. Lord, I do ask that you would help guide our hearts and our thoughts now for the next few moments. May your Holy Spirit uh, make truth very clear, very plain to us. And may we learn from it the things that you would have us to, that it would be a help to us, that it would be a challenge, uh, an edification, something that will instruct us in righteousness and will motivate us to be obedient to it. And so, Father, help us this afternoon to say the things that you would want us to and to leave out the things that would not be uh, helpful or, or right for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> this idea of an excellent spirit uh, is dealing with not so much the outer things of life, but the inner things. Not necessarily the fleshly things or the, the things of this world, but of a heavenly nature, of the things the Bible refers to, and Paul words it this way, uh, of the inner man. Uh, the spirit that is, is found in us. I want us to look at a couple passages here. We're going to come back to Proverbs in just a moment. But uh, hold your place there and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 12. And we'll look in verse number, uh, verse number 34. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 34. One of the things that is found out, there's, there's some things that an excellent spirit will do for us. And one of them that I think we find here in uh, Proverbs chapter 17 is an excellent spirit uh, in us will control our words. Uh, it, it certainly is a telltale sign of our heart, is it not, uh, when we say things. Uh, I can usually tell by within a few moments of conversation after meeting somebody what kind of a spirit they have. And I think all of us can relate to that to some degree. Because out of the abundance of the heart, that's what we're going to look at here in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 34. Out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaketh. He says here in verse number 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, look with me also over in Luke chapter number 6 in a very similar passage. Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 45. Luke chapter number 6 and uh, verse number 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. And so, uh, if our heart is thinking and dwelling on things that are of an excellent nature, of an excellent spirit, then it's going to control the things that are said. We've uh, recently dealt with the topic of our speech and how we've got to be so careful as a Christian of what we say. And here's the, the issue, I think, that I have with that particular phrase that I used in that preaching time of that point. And that is that we have to be careful of what we say outwardly. When really the truth is, if our spirit is an excellent spirit, it will control what we say outwardly. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If we speak things that are not glorifying to God, it's not because we said the wrong things, it's because we have the wrong heart. It's not because we weren't thinking before we spoke. It's because our spirit is not right. Because out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaketh. Look with me in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter number 26. And so often I think when it comes to 
I would call them graces of the Christian life or things that we are, as God's people, supposed to be examples in. Oftentimes, we take them as a single subject matter and we say, okay, I'm going to try to attempt to have that um, in my heart or in my life. And the truth is, these things ought to be the, the fruit that is born out of an excellent spirit inside of us. Look with me in uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse number uh, 23. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, yes, verse number 23, I believe it is. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 33. Uh, do I have the right verse? I wrote the wrong passage down. I'm, oh, I'm in 27. That's why I was like, whoa, wait a minute, that's not right. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 73. Excuse me. And after a while came unto him, and they stood by uh, and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them. Notice this phrase. For thy speech what? Berayeth thee. Why are they saying his speech berayeth him? His speech gave way to something that was in his heart that he was trying to hide at this point. But his speech revealed his heart. It revealed what he was inwardly. Let's look in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And if we're going to get a handle on this thing in our Christian life of our speech and how we talk, I believe one of the key things is that we learn to have an excellent spirit. Uh, Look with me again. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And let's look in verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. Paul's instructing Timothy, and he makes this statement. He says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou, notice this phrase, an example of the believers. And then he gives a list. And the very first thing on the list is what? In word. In word. He goes on to say, In charity, in in, uh, conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, above all of it, that we are to be an example of the believers in what? In word. Where does this come from? Well, we come back to Proverbs chapter number 17 and verse number 27, where the Bible says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. There are two things I want us to see from Proverbs chapter 27, and then we're going, or 17, verse 27, and then we're going to move. Uh, to the other two places in Scripture where we find this phrase and learn some things about it in those passages as well. There's, there's two things, I think, that are taught here in verse 27. The first one being that our spirit controls our words or will have an impact on our words. The second thing that we do is we find that the excellent spirit is not something that is of our making. But it says here that a man of understanding, do we see that phrase? A man of understanding, now this goes beyond knowledge. You can know something but not understand it. Uh, We call it rote learning in education. You can learn things but maybe not understand the principle of it. You can learn mathematical formulas but have no common sense as to the application of them because you don't have understanding of them. And so we find here that it's not enough for the knowledge to take place, but that there be an understanding of truth. Where does the understanding of truth come from? Well, it comes from God, doesn't it? Let's take a moment and look at a few scriptures here. And uh, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 for a moment. Hold your place here again in, in Proverbs. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And let's look in verse number 7. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 7. Paul writes to Timothy, Consider what I say, 
And the Lord give thee what? Understanding in all things. Now notice, uh, go back to uh, the Old Testament. Let's go to Psalms. Uh, and uh, let's go to the 119th Psalm, if you will. Uh, and we're going to go towards the end of that particular psalm in verse number 144. And there, I could give many, many verses about this. I'm going to give you two of them uh, this afternoon for sake of time. But you could go through Scripture and find how often the Bible speaks of understanding coming from God. So look in Psalm 119 and the uh, 144th verse. The Bible says, "...the righteous of thy tes- righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting." Notice the prayer of the psalmist. Give me understanding, and I shall live. There are two things from Proverbs I want to get, that an excellent spirit will control our words, and that an excellent spirit only comes from God. It only comes from our walk, our growth, our yieldedness and submissiveness to His will, seeking for His understanding, seeking for His wisdom. There are two other places in Scripture uh, both of them are found in the same book and about the same person. And uh, Brother Paulie made this statement. I liked what he said. It's almost like God established the principle and then picked one example in Scripture to say, look at this fellow as the example of this. And uh, so let's turn in Daniel chapter number 5. Daniel chapter number 5. <clears throat> An excellent spirit does not come from a Joel Osteen talking to you about uh, how to have the power of positive thinking or to how, how, how to have happiness in your life. An excellent spirit goes far deeper than this. Uh, it's, it's something that, that is given only by God in our walk with Him, and it's something that goes uh, very, very deep. It, 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 and we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment, but I want you to notice in Daniel chapter number 5, And verse number 10, let's read down, we're going to read about four or five verses here. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake. Now, let me give you the background here. Belshazzar, who is the grandson, I believe it was, of Nebuchadnezzar, was a wicked king and had defiled the vessels of the temple. And God writes over against the wall with the hand, if you'll remember that story in Daniel. And he doesn't know what the, the saying is. He can't read it. And uh, they wonder about this. And so his, his, uh, his mom, the queen, comes in. And notice what he says here. Verse, she says here in verse number 10, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom. And notice the, what, what, the, what is said here. In whom the spirit of the holy gods... In the days of thy, uh, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, <clears throat> like wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, and king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard senses and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? 
I have even heard of thee, that the Spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And we find here that this, uh, this illustration of an excellent spirit was not something that um, Daniel claimed himself. He didn't say, hey, I'm a man of excellent spirit. Uh, he was not uh, referred to as the man of an excellent spirit by his friends. In fact, it wasn't even God who said uh, in this particular case. He didn't come out and speak verbally and say, Daniel has an excellent spirit. But I want you to notice this, that when an excellent spirit was found in him, it was somebody who did not even know God. But one thing that these people did know is they knew somebody who knew God. And an excellent spirit is something that will become, and this is an interesting thing, it is going to become one of the premier things that is the identifying mark of you when you encounter someone. It's going to be one of their first observations. It's amazing, you know, we talk about oftentimes first impressions, how important first impressions are. And uh, in fashion, they teach you that uh, you've got to make sure your shoes are, are well-groomed. For some reason, human nature, when you meet somebody for the very first time, you'll look them over, and one of the things you look at is their shoes. And oftentimes, you'll make a judgment by what kind of shoes they're wearing. Are they polished? Are they scuffed? Do they take care of those things? Uh, and there's a lot of emphasis in that in the business world. And there are people who have lost vast contracts simply because they didn't polish their shoes before they went into a meeting because they thought of it as an indication of character. Uh, some people look at hands. I remember in college hearing a preacher get up and say, don't trust a preacher who doesn't have calluses on his hands. Um, some people refer to that and they think, boy, there's something about the hands or the, the appearance. Can I tell you this? The most, the, the most and the greatest identifying mark of us is not what's outward on our bodies, but it is the excellent spirit that is found in us. The thing that Daniel was known for was his excellent spirit. Notice what it says in verse number 12. There's a list of things that are characterizing Daniel. And King Belshazzar says this, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving doubts were found in the same Daniel, he speaks of a whole list of things that Daniel did. And top of the list, first thing was an excellent spirit. What was it that made Daniel different? What was it that caused people who did not believe in the living God to say there is a man? And while we don't know God, we do know that He knows God. What was it about Him? Was it His knowledge? Boy, He is a Bible scholar. Look at all the verses He can quote. Was that what caused people to sit up and take notice? No, it wasn't His knowledge. Was it his understanding? Was it, was it wisdom? Was it the grace of wisdom about him? That wasn't the most notable mark. What about his interpretation of dreams, his showing of hard sentences? What about the dissolving of doubts? Were those the things that were the, the, the primary thing? Were those the things that stood out and were apparent about Daniel? No. The first thing, top of the list, by both the king's mother and the king himself. Here's a man who has an excellent spirit. He has an excellent spirit. It's not what was on his body. It was not the way he dressed himself. It wasn't the way that 
he uh, groomed his hair. It wasn't the way that he, uh, or you know, so ladies put makeup on and they primp. Men you know, comb their hair a certain way, put on aftershave and all these things to make a good impression. Can I tell you this? The greatest impression we need to be concerned about is not what we do outwardly, but what our spirit is inwardly. You'll find this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the inner man, the excellent spirit, out of that abundance are things that come out of us. If you remember, the Bible spoke of in Luke, when we looked at the passage in Luke. In fact, just turn there for a moment. Let's take a quick, a little closer look at that. Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 45. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 45. I want you to notice this. A good man out of the good treasure of his what? Because he has a treasure in his heart, that makes him a good man. He doesn't have treasure in his heart because he's a good man. He has a good treasure in his heart, and that creates a good man out of him. Notice what it says here in verse number 45. Uh, A good man, out of the treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. Why? Because it's in his heart first. It's going to come out because it's in his heart. Look what it says here. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, where does his evilness come from? It comes from the heart also, doesn't it? So, could we agree this morning or this afternoon that the importance of the excellent spirit is something that ought to be of primary importance in our life? The idea of an excellent spirit is interesting to me. I looked up the word excellent in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And you know, the the, the primary definition of it when it's used as an adjective is this. It means to, to be the eminent thing or the distinguishing thing. The mark of our spirit ought to be the thing that is imminent in our life, the, the priority of, and it ought be the distinguishing mark of our life. When men see you, what do they think of you? Do they think of you as a person with a good spirit? If I want to know something about somebody, I, if I want to know something about you, I wouldn't go... Uh, to uh, your Sunday school teacher and ask them or your friends and ask them. I'd, I would go to the people you work with find out how you are. I, I would go to the people that you're in the daily grind with to see what kind of spirit you have. The important thing of the excellent spirit, we've put so much emphasis oftentimes on the outer things of the Christian life. And, and can I encourage you in this? I'm not at all diminishing the outward things of our life. I'm not one of these preachers that will get up and tell you that you don't need to have standards. Man does look on the outward appearance, and because of that, we need to have a testimony. What I'm getting at is this. We need to quit trying to put on the outer man and let the inner man just produce fruit. We oftentimes, and I heard a preacher say it this way one time, Brother Frank Hamrick, a number of years ago, probably over 20 years ago now, I heard him say this. He said, we are guilty oftentimes of Christianizing unsaved people. We teach them how to look like a Christian, how to dress like a Christian, how to talk like a Christian, how to carry their Bibles, how to attend church like a Christian, and in the heart they are lost. And we are really good, if we're not careful about it, we are really good about so emphasizing the outer 
that we give the indication that that's where all of our effort ought to be. The truth is, I want the vast majority of my effort to be on the inner man so that the outer man can become what it should. Why? Because there ought to be an excellent spirit. Daniel is spoken of here in verse number 12. And it says, For as much as an excellent spirit, and then, and then, we could even probably say it this way and be accurate, as a result of, he also had knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard senses. Had Daniel not had an excellent spirit about him, would it be that he would not have had the influence in this, in this king's life? Would it be that he would not be called upon? What if he had a poor spirit? What if Daniel had done some things outwardly and had put on the, the whitewashed sepulcher of the Pharisees? What if he had cleansed the outside of the cup, but not the inside? Do you think God would have given him the same abilities to be an interpreter of dreams, to be a help to these kings and an influence in their lives and their reigns? I believe it was only because he had an excellent spirit in him that God did these things. Also, if you will, look with me in chapter number 6 of Daniel. And this is an interesting thought. In chapter 5, we find him under the reign of Belshazzar. Under chapter number 6, we find him under a different king. Daniel chapter number 6, we find him under Darius, who was the king of the Medes and Persians for two years. He co-reigned with Cyrus the Great. And after about two years, Cyrus took over the overall kingship, if you will, of the Persian Empire. But during those short years of, of Darius being there, in verse number 3, the Bible says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. Notice why he was preferred. Because he was of great wisdom. Is that what your Bible says? Because he was a man of wonderful countenance and personality. How about that one? Because he was a man who always was a positive thinker. And life just went great because he was a power of positive thinking man. Is that what it says? He was preferred above all the princes for what reason? What does the Bible say? He is preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Isn't it interesting that the one thing that is an invisible part of us is one of the most distinguishing characteristics we have? Even in the eyes of men, it's not what we know, it's not what we look like on the outside that makes the mark. What makes the mark is, is there an excellent spirit inside of us? I want us to understand this, that the word excellent spirit is not a comparison word. I, let me illustrate that. When we, when we talk of someone who... Um, has a particular skill. Let's say, um, let's say they fly airplanes. Dave and I, we like to fly airplanes. And let's say uh, that pilot is a good pilot. And then we say that pilot over there, he's a better pilot. And then we might say of this one over here, this one is an excellent pilot. And what we mean by that is, when compared to other pilots, this one is more excellent than all of them. That is not the way this word is used here. It is not a comparative word, but it is the word that emphasizes the thing that stands out 
in your life? What is it that stands out? What is it that presents itself in your life? Is it our knowledge? Is it our personality? Is it our wisdom? Is it our handsome good looks and athletic prowess? Is it our strength? You know, the greatest strength we have is the strength of spirit. We put a lot of emphasis on physical strength and physical uh, uh, um, stamina. The greatest strength we have is the strength of spirit. I heard one fellow say it this way, the strength of our spirit is the one strength that doesn't wane with age. The importance of our spirit is not a comparative word. It's something that is used to distinguish what is it that is the, the thing that stands out most. What is it that stands up in your life and waves the flag and says, this is of utmost importance to me? It's interesting, when Jesus was in His, in his earthly ministry in the book of John, John says that He came with grace and truth. He came with the truth of His Word, and of course He was the Word. But the thing that was so distinguishing about that is He came in grace. There was a grace about Him. His Spirit was excellent. There was something unique about the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke words that never a man spake as this man. And yet it wasn't the words so much that it amazed Him as it was His Spirit. The fact that He was a gracious man. The first thing that people observe in us is our spirit. That being said, what controls our spirit? We said from Proverbs that there were two things to learn from it. One is that the excellent spirit will control our words. And the second thing was that our excellent spirit comes from God. Okay, what do we mean by that? When we get saved, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God quickens us. He comes and indwells us and lives inside of us. He makes us alive. And the Bible teaches us that His Spirit will bear witness with our spirit. My spirit will become what it ought to be the closer it is yielded to and obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. If my spirit is about my will, I'm drifting further from being an excellent spirit. But when I come into the will of God and I say I want the Holy Spirit to guide and direct my steps through reading His Word... He brings to light that truth and guides me in my life. That's where I get my excellent spirit from. It's not, it's not sitting up one morning and saying, today's a beautiful day. I'm going to have a great day today. And because of that, I've got an excellent spirit. It doesn't come from you. If that's your goal, then you've missed it. I remember years ago, I worked uh, at a place as a salesman. And we had a receptionist. Her name was Laverne. Sweetest lady you ever met. And uh, I love Laverne. In fact, I miss her. I, I do miss her a lot. And uh, she was a rather heavy set uh, black lady. And uh, came in to, uh, every morning. She was like a mom to me. Uh, she'd bring me breakfast and things like this. 
But every morning, if I was there at the shop before she got there, she'd come in, she'd open the door, come in, set her stuff down on her desk, and walk back out the front door. And every morning she did this. She'd throw her arms out like this and say, Good morning, world! And that was how she started her day. Always loving the things of life. A sweet Christian lady. And uh, what a joy it was to know her. But can I tell you this? An excellent spirit is not psyching yourself up into having a good day. An excellent spirit is not about health, wealth, and prosperity. It's not listening to a Joel Osteen or a Jesse DePlantis or a Kenneth Copeland or some of these people that get up here and tell you that you can have great joy and happiness in your life and God is, God's will is not, not that you don't have any speed bumps in the road. That is not what we're speaking of here by an excellent spirit. Because it does not come from our psyching ourselves up or pulling us up by our own bootstraps and saying, I'm going to have a great day today. It comes from being yielded and submitted to the truth that God wants to work in our lives. And as we draw closer to Him and become more like Him, as our spirit and the will of our spirit comes into subjection to the will of His, people will look and say, there is a person with an excellent spirit. Or there's something about that person. They may not even know God, but they'll know that you know God. Isn't that amazing how that works? Isn't it amazing when even a lost person will say, boy, there's just something different about that person. The only word of warning and caution that I can give us this afternoon is this, that we don't strive to outwardly conform to an excellent spirit but that we strive inwardly to be transformed into an excellent spirit. Let God's Word, His Holy Spirit, doing His work in us and through us, cause us to have an excellent spirit. And when we do, the outside will become what it should. The extraneous things, the outward things that men see, They'll notice the excellent spirit first. And then they'll take note of all of the other things that that excellent spirit has produced in our life. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says this, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And it says against such there is no law. Let's let the Spirit in the inner man have full control. Let's take our spirit and our will and say, Lord, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. I'm going to take this book and I want you to teach me. I want you to guide me. I want you to show me so that I may have an excellent spirit. We're living in a world that is in great need of some of God's people to have an excellent spirit about them. We're living in a world where a lot of Christians or people who name the name of Christ certainly give no indication of an excellent spirit. And we are in dire need of it. So I hope that will be a help to us this afternoon. Maybe it will be something the Lord will work on our hearts about and guide us and direct us in and give us strength and understanding to pursue these things. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. And Lord, the truth of 
this excellent spirit has been such a, a blessing and a joy for me in the last several weeks. So I've thought about it, and prayed on it, made some changes even, Lord, in my life. I pray that you will help us to long for, with all of our hearts,